everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of TV Talkers. Starting here live at 5.30 on 1.5 MFM, I'm your host, Tiago, and I'm joined by... Matt. And I can't think of a Mandalorian quote to throw in here, so still the end you guys have. <laughs> I was trying to think of some way to throw this is the way in there, but <laughs> I couldn't. And this your is the way with your guy, Simon. Guy. <laughs> the unusual guy, Simon. I have spoken. There you go. Perfectly said. So uh, that's the topic for tonight's episode. We are going to be discussing The Mandalorian, mostly focusing on the second half, but we're going to you know, be encompassing the whole show as a whole. And uh, it's going to be a great time because it is a great show, but we are going to get into that a little bit uh, further on because we have our weekly uh, news segment, Today in TV History. And today is January 13th, 2020, and it's two days before mine and Simon's birthday, so we happy early birthday, sir. people. Happy birthday, early birthday to you, too. Yeah, we're, we're old now. It's officially, <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> you know it's, what I mean? It's three years until we're 30. Adam just turned 30 this past year, and wow. that's terrifying. Yeah, it's yeah, it's creeping up on us, so we yeah. got to enjoy these years it's while not, we can. It's not creeping. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like a gallop. Yeah, it's galloping. <laughs> yeah. It's not sauntering. It's. I it's feel like running. Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 2, trying to hold back the train that is my age. Right. <gasps> um, because I'm old, I'm probably going to pull a muscle on my back just like he did. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That is right. So uh, on with our TV history for today. We had an early one here. January 13th, 1928. Ernest F.W. Alexanderson gave the first public demonstration of television. Well, there you go. Indeed. That is literally TV history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 70 years later, January 13th, 1998, NBC agreed to pay almost $13 million for each episode of the TV show ER. It was the highest amount ever paid for a TV show. Similarly, in that year, ABC and ESPN negotiated to keep Monday Night Football for $1.15 billion a season. And again, in 1998, one of the 110 missing episodes of the British TV show Doctor Who was found in New Zealand. A two more in 1998. The NFL completed a $9.2 billion deal uh, to keep Monday Night Football on ABC and the entire Sunday night cable package for ESPN. And lastly, in 1998, the 100th episode of NYPD Blue aired on ABC. And finally, January 13th, 2001, TV Guide issued a set of commemorative Elvis Presley covers. Just because why not? So why yeah, not f- indeed. five bits of TV news. Yeah, five in 1998. Crazy. Big year. Indeed. Still uh, co-host and apparently going to call in next week, Varen, born in 1998. I believe she was. There you go. That's that sounds right. I TV believe history. she was. Yes. TV history. Farron was born in 1998. But without further ado, The Mandalorian, set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi and 25 years prior to the events of The Force Awakens, it follows the title character, a Mandalorian bounty hunter, and his exploits beyond the reaches of the New Republic. That was brought to you by Wikipedia. But yes, The Mandalorian is a um, Star Wars TV show. That is available on Disney Plus and has eight episodes for its first season. The second season has been renewed. It has been renewed for a second season, and it will be premiering later this year. But thoughts on the show, gentlemen, opening well, the floor. I'm curious, too, um, especially before we get too deep into the show, we talked about the first half of the show when we talked about Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. It's been a, like a probably a month, month and a half. I would say so. Since then now. So what are your thoughts on Disney Plus now? 
that the, especially now that the Mandalorian's over. Because I think last time we were just like, well, it's got a lot of Disney movies, and this Mandalorian thing is pretty good. Okay, now it's done. Yeah. It's going to be a long time before we get another episode. Yeah. Hawkeye's been delayed. Where are you guys at with Disney Plus? I'm kind of curious. I mean, I like it. It's it's got you know it's got a lot of wide variety for Disney titles. It has all the Simpsons, which is great. Uh, it has do, yeah. yeah, and it also has some Disney classics, uh, superhero classics, Spider Man and X Men that stand out uh, to me the most. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck, yes, indeed. Uh, Duck Tales, Tailspin. But aside from that, if now it's hypothetically speaking, if I had finished watching all that, including the original Star Wars trilogies, not the sequels or prequels, fight me on that. Um, I don't know what else it would offer for me. You know, like with the States, it has ESPN and Hulu, which is great. But unfortunately, we don't have access to either of those. So to be quite honest, if I if outside of those uh, shows and movies, I don't think I would really keep it just because I wouldn't be watching that stuff consistently. Mm-hmm. Now, I would be saying the same with Netflix, but obviously Netflix has a wider range. However, there's still time for Disney to put stuff on there. But overall, I do like the app. I do like the services it provides. I think it's really interesting. And I mean, if someone were to say, if either of you were to tell me that, oh, there's a really cool show that I think you'd like on Disney+, Plus, then yeah, I'd check it out. But um, overall, I give the service about an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah. I think I might even be a little lower than that. Like, I I love all the Disney movies, and especially, like, now, I just like, okay, well, I'll pick a Disney movie every week, maybe two a week, and I'll just go through and watch that. But I'm like, okay, so other than that, like... What's this got that I haven't seen in a while? And I was never a super huge Simpsons fan, so I guess like the twenty, like thirty five thousand. Yeah, I was trying to exaggerate <laughs> there, but there's still so many. Uh, <laughs> the there's so many seasons of Simpsons don't really appeal to me. I I got around to watching um, Twenty Thousand Leagues Below or, the Sea, below the, sea yeah. uh, the first ever live action Disney movie, um, which was interesting. It almost sunk Walt Disney, pun intended. But um. Fantastic movie, though. I really recommend people watch it. And I, I think the thing that I've been enjoying most about Disney Plus is the extras. Right? Yeah. You can pick a movie and then go watch the deleted scenes and the bloopers and the stuff like that. All right there. But honestly, right now, I feel like I'm looking at the slate and being like, okay, what's coming next and when's it coming? You know? Like, yeah. They're, uh, I think they need to pick it up or they should have had more of a plan maybe about what's going to be coming out because I think they should have something coming out in. I don't know if they do. I'll check it. Just as a fan, I feel like I should be looking forward to something in February, and I'm not sure what that is. You know, they had all these Marvel things talked, but how conceptual are they? Like, Hawkeye's already been delayed. When are the other ones coming? I don't know. Uh, and, yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay. I'll, like, routinely, I've done it at least three times in the last month, gone to the Disney Plus, looked at something, and then gone back to Netflix and watched whatever I was watching before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that is fair. Yeah. That is more than fair. I'm a little bit in the same boat. Uh you know, I'm. I really like Disney stuff in general. I'm not always in the mood for Disney stuff. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's not like yeah. Netflix where it's like every other day, basically, and I'll turn it on and watch something. Disney's not an every other day kind of thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited about National Geographic stuff being on there because I'm a big documentaries fan, but there are shockingly few. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I basically watched all the everyone I was interested in in the first week, and since then the only thing I've watched on Disney Plus is The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for me at this point, if I was paying for it myself, which I'm not, my sister has it and I'm just, ah. you know, jumped on as another account. Um, I, I would, uh, I wouldn't continue my subscription right now. Yeah. There's just nothing on it that really interests me right now. Yeah. 
that's fair. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like yesterday, I watched um, my girlfriend and I watched Wonder, which is a movie that just came to Netflix. So I got to show it to Netflix. I don't know if you guys have watched it. I really like that movie, but it. The reason I'm bringing it up in terms of Disney, it's like I needed to be in the right mindset to watch that movie because I know I was going to cry like a little baby. Mm -hmm. um, and not that Disney movies always make me cry. Some of them certainly do, like Lion King, the original, for example. But you do have to be in a mindset. It's just like I'm just not feeling this type of thing, and there's not enough that isn't in that category. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're feeling like Disney, Disney Plus is the best. But frequently yeah. I'm not feeling like Disney, and I'm a pretty big fan. So – no, that's that, that's fair. Gonna, I think if they don't release some stuff like quick, I think they're going to have trouble keeping people. That's very true. I mean, they are launching the service in other parts of the world, mostly Europe, in two months' time from now. So maybe that will save them, but time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, I mean, I guess that's what they're focusing on. They had Mandalorian as their big show coming out of the gate, and then they're going to focus on just providing the service to other parts of the world. But then there's, like, nothing new coming yeah. up for quite a while yeah. i don't know when the next like main show coming out is. Yeah, have you been able to find it too? uh so i looked and yeah the plane is pretty bare uh a lot of the stuff they're planning are, are smaller bits like diary of a future president is like a comedy series that's planning to come out um and yeah a lot of the other stuff that they have planned is going to be coming like later in the year so there's kind of an open window However, uh, it does say here that for the MCU, um, Black Panther will be added in March, Infinity War will be added in June, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in July, and then other movies will, uh, are not available, such as the Spider-Man movies and Incredible Hulk, because they're owned by Universal Pictures and Sony. So, you're not going to have the entire MCU yeah. I mean, Infinity I, Saga I mean, right I now. like those movies, but that's pretty sparse. I mean, I yeah. own two of those on Blu-ray. I don't mm -hmm. need Disney Plus for them. That's true. That is very true. Short Circuit, uh, an animated series that's coming. Um, Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7 in February. I am looking forward to that. And then everything else like Falcon, late 2020, Love, Simon, Monsters at Work, WandaVision, all 2020, no real specific yeah, dates. So, AKA they don't really know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'd like to know more about the Obi-Wan series, but again, no... Uh, announced date for it yet it's mm -hmm. just kind of up in the air yeah but at least the mandalorian was good yeah and speaking yeah, of mandalorian that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good segue um yeah what are, what are your guys thoughts on this series it's good it's really good i concur it's I probably uh i know i don't think this particular show is the place to have the debate although i still want to get the two of you in a room and do a podcast about Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but this, I think, is going to be more um, decisively good than Rise of Skywalker. I agree. I don't think... I can't see someone watching this and, and not at least enjoying it a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, the, it's sort of split up into the beginning couple episodes, I feel, where it's just like we talk about them in the beginning, where they're kind of establishing where the characters are. Mm. And then the middle, I don't know, four... Or more or less just, like, the Mandalorian goes someplace, expects to, like, be able to offload Baby Yoda there. Yeah, four and five. And then it doesn't happen. And then you have, like, seven and eight are kind of like the two-part finale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where Gus Fring makes an appearance. He sure Yeah, does. holy crap. Wow. Eddie, I wasn't expecting that. That Eddie was cool. Neither was I. But yep. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Like, Giancarlo Esposito as, like, a calm, like, but intimidating villain. Wonderful. Just 
perfect. I mean, he's a perfect fit for the Star Wars universe. I think that's what most people like in their Star Wars villains, like mm-hmm. calm but like methodical. And like when he goes up there, he's so intimidating. Oh yeah. We jump into the end of the episodes where he basically like quotes everyone's biography at them. He's like, oh man, he, he's done his homework. He knows exactly who we are. Yeah. yeah. He's was, one of those actors that comes down and like, you know, it's like, oh, here's the big bad for the last episode. And some random actor comes down. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know who this guy is. Like, why do I care? Yeah. Giancarlo Esposito comes down. You're like, oh, crap. This is real. That boy got some gravitas. Yeah. This uh, this man, uh, if I may interject, is turning 62 this year. He looks phenomenal for his age. Yeah, he does. A he lot looks, of fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fried chicken. <laughs> Los Polios Hermanos That's in, the one. in particular. Um, no, I got to say that I remember the last time we talked about it, I was like, ah, episode one didn't really, you know, hook me. But towards the end of episode one, that's when I was starting to get interested. And wow, I finished the whole thing and I was rewatching. So I rewatched the first half, then I watched the rest. And I said, yeah, this this is really good. Like episode two, I was just hooked. And I was like, yeah, this is a really good show. It manages to make a new character. So I remember reading something that they didn't want to focus on Jango Fett. They didn't do the Boba Fett movie. They focused on a new character, the Mandalorian. And this is how you do new material. You get someone new, you establish them, you have a whole new adventure, a whole new world surrounding an already existing universe, but you just embark on somewhere where the territory hasn't been marked before. And I think this is how, along with a good writing staff, good directors, you got Bryce Dallas Howard who directed an episode, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, Taika Waititi, Waititi, and John Favreau. Hat off to you, my friend. He's killing it. Killing it. Absolutely. the new Star Wars, please. Yes, because mm-hmm. because the man that's, can do no wrong. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. At the end of the when I w- finished episode eight on Saturday night, I was like, John Favreau new Star Wars. That's it. Give him carte blanche. Yep. Whatever he wants to do, let him do it. Hopefully not related, not necessarily related to the Jedi and whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the the first two episodes, if we split it up into those three groups, I think the first two episodes are probably the weakest of the group. I would say so. It had like a lot of groundwork to cover in establishing what's going on here, and then it was. I mean. I've watched a lot of westerns. I really like westerns. Westerns, I know you do too. Oh yeah, this is just a—it's a really good western. Like it gives you the feeling they they like roll in. He gets on there. He's going through the grimy town. Like it's shot perfectly. Uh, So the middle episodes where he's just kind of going through and just a really good space western are just really good. And then the ending I thought was like phenomenal. Oh yeah, it's great. The action is way better than you'd think a TV (laughs) show action scene would. The writing has been good. The acting has been phenomenal. Like. If you think about where Star Wars is right now in 2020, the thing that's most being quoted, the three things people are most associating with Star Wars right now. This is the way. None of them are coming from Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> this is the way I have spoken and Baby Yoda. I was going to say one Baby more. Yoda has know. transcended Star Wars. Baby yeah. Yoda has revolutionized the Star Wars uh, craze. I was going to say one more. I don't know if I should say it, but... You know what? I'm going to say it. Uh, <laughs> when um, Mando says weapons are a part of my religion, I don't know. I just thought that was pretty funny. I mean, they have a lot of really great calls. I mean, I also yeah. liked it when she when they said it, I think, in episode six, she's no good to me, dead. I think I texted yeah. that. I was like, ah, he did the thing. <laughs> and then, like, they had some really clever working with Taika Waititi's robot, the IG-11. Yeah, mm-hmm. IG-11. Yeah. And it's like, I really like in, in this show. You got Pedro Pascal, who's such an incredible oh, actor. Wow, and just he's, amazing. He's gorgeous. Yeah. So you want to show off his face? Like that's how they convinced, or that's part of the. I'm sure how they convinced Robert Downey Jr. to be Iron Man. Like we'll we'll find a way to show your face, Robert. Don't yeah. worry. We'll <laughs> yeah. invent a new technology. But in most like things where you watch a character who's got a really cool helmet, they're always taking off the helmet, man. Like 
Spider-Man, the first few Spider-Man movies, in the last battle, his mask always gets damaged. Yeah, right? always. See the face. I'm a huge Spawn fan. I don't know if you guys have ever watched like the 90s Spawn movie. I have not, no. He's never wearing the mask. Man, it's probably the coolest mask ever made. It is a pretty cool Put mask. it on. And in this, I love it that they stuck to their guns. He's a Mandalorian. The helmet stays on. I really like that, It's too. off for like 30 seconds, and it was a very good reason for it to be off. And then it's back on. And you see him, you see the mask being taken off and put on the table, but that's it. Yeah. You don't see the Mandalorian's face. You don't see anything else. And when he goes to save the village in episode four or to help them out, uh, the woman was trying to convince him to, you know, take it off. And he's like, no, because if I take it off, I can't put, I can't ever put it back on again. Yeah. In front of people. And I was like, well spoken. Speaking of masks and, um, Sneaking in my stuff there while you were saying about Spider-Man. There was a lot of controversy or people wondering for the new Birds of Prey movie if Black Mask was going to wear his mask. And if you watch the trailer, spoiler alert, the new trailer that was released, there is a moment for like three seconds where you see him putting it on. So rest assured, everything is all good. Better stay on. Yes, better stay on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Back to Mandalorian. Um, You could easily swap the final music or the final yeah music used in Good, Bad, and the Ugly for the very like beginning of episode eight, when uh, Giancarlo Esposito is facing down against Carl Weathers, the Mandalorian, and uh, what was the girl's name again? Gina. I don't remember. Oh, the Cara. She was yeah. my Carla? least favorite character. Yeah, Kara. Kara. I when I was watching that scene, like you said about uh, Western Simon, I just I just heard that music internally in my head, and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is it fits so well. You know, in terms of westerns, this being more of a space western, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there are a lot of shots of like you know the dunes and where they're when they're riding and just like exploring space. This guy, the Mandalorian, is a real antihero. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you when you we first meet him, we're like, oh, we don't sympathize with this guy. He's like a real badass. He go, he lives by his own code. And he and loves whatnot. killing people with doors. Loves killing people with doors <laughs> creatively. But then later on, like when Baby Yoda, who I love, gets involved. When he sells him off, he's like, what are you going to do with the kid? And they're like, don't worry about it. But then when he goes and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go on with my, my duties of being a bounty hunter. But then and he starts to ship up, but then he stops. And then he goes back and he saves the kid. And then he's on the run from the entire planet. He's on notice. Everybody wants him dead because he's, you know, uh, broken the, the code. And he's like, I don't care. I stand by my own decisions. I'm like, badass, great example of an antihero. And they, I thought that they explained it in a phenomenal way in, I think, Episode 7, where they go into a little bit of his backstory and yeah. kind of see him as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of mirror the thing where it's like, oh, he was rescued as a kid. when he, So, you know, he's going to do the same. And he's kind of paying it forward. I was like, oh, that still keeps his badassery for doing this, but it does expand on it. Like, it, it was all good. Whereas I think some lesser writers might have been like, oh, man. He was only doing this because of, like, some, you know, whatever. Yeah. They yeah. handled it really well. Yeah. There's a very good consistency of character. Yeah. The really Mandalorian yeah. throughout. There's, like, all kinds of stuff that they get that is kind of seeded through through the season. You know, early on, like, the, you know, why, like, I mean, episode one, why does he care about this thing? Because it's cute. Mm-hmm. He kills other things that were probably cute, you know. You find out later. It's because of a thing that happened to him. Same thing why he doesn't like droids, all those kind of stuff. Everything that gets like set up gets paid off eventually, and it's really nice to see it later on. You feel like rewarded for actually having watched the whole thing. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I will say, my by far, my favorite parts of the series are when he's doing his bounty hunter thing. Yeah. 
like the first episode, the episode where he goes um, into the ship with the sort of ragtag group, you know, Bill Burr and Adina. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a great appearance by Bill Burr. Richard Iowate as the zero. Yeah. That That was... Ah, okay. I have to go back and rewatch it. I love him so much. I didn't realize that was him. And uh, sorry, uh, Matt Clancy okay. Brown yeah. as Berg, Mister Krabs. That was the big red guy. That was less hidden for me because it's like no one sounds like Clancy Brown. Yeah. Like, I hear yeah. that. I'm just like, I know. I got it. You're like, I <laughs> sorry, Matt. Yeah, I, I hope they lean they lean into um, a bit more of the antihero darker side to him because for me, when he was being kind of like gritty and not necessarily morally gray, but you see the like you know the bounty hunter sort of underbelly of the world side come out of him that's when i enjoyed the show the most yeah i think i i re-watched all of sherlock lately like in the past few weeks mm-hmm. and i'm gonna make a stretch this is a, my bingo card thing for tv talkers compare oh, yeah. things that don't have any relation um i'm gonna compare sherlock the mandalorian and pirates of the caribbean oh. it is so satisfying to see really great writers negotiate something where it's like this person betrayed this person betrayed this person and a twist and a twist and there's always just one more thing do you know what i mean where it's just like oh you thought that i betrayed you well in fact i anticipated that you were going to betray me and i betrayed you 14 hours ago sir a plague on your house like that kind of stuff (laughs) which really good crime mysteries can do and i think that's what catapulted pirates of the caribbean the first one at least into like superstardom for how good it is and that's what the Mandalorian has done really well. I think it's done best in the scene where they go on the ship, um, but it, they did it pretty good in a lot of the other episodes, mm-hmm. like the one immediately before that where they have like the starting off bounty hunter. Right, yeah. It's like, well, what is he going to do? Is he going to take the bait? Is he going to go with this person and take in the Mandalorian? No, he's not that stupid. He's going to kill her. Oh, so he's going to side with the Mandalorian. Oh, no, no, no. He's not going to do it. Like, there's always another thing coming, and yeah. that was the... The thing with them on the ship was so perfect. We were just like, did he kill all of them? No, well, he showed them in the break. Uh, yeah, what that was great. Were they really here the for him? There. Well, they're not here for what they thought they were. Did they betray him? You know, they're going to send a ship out to take him down. Oh, he actually, he betrayed them. Like, it bounces around so, so well. It and keeps it just, you on the edge. It yeah. really does. And it just, it's just so clever. It really is. And one thing that really surprised me was that they just... They were confident in their storytelling. They didn't say, oh, you know what? We're going to try to incorporate other things from the past. And I think my personal opinion, why the sequel trilogy didn't really live up to what it could have been was because they tried to, in my opinion, the first movie, they tried to just ride on the nostalgia factor. Okay, new Star Wars movie in X amount of years, 10 years or whatnot. And then the second one, they just kind of, Ryan Johnson just went in a completely different direction that didn't connect. And then with this one, uh, I felt that J.J. Abrams was trying to, you know, pick up the pieces, put it back together, and trying to forget a little bit about what Ryan Johnson did, where I think that they just should have mapped it out all three at the beginning. But with this, this is a new thing. They gave John Favreau full, you know, go-ahead confidence to just go with the series, and he brought in his own team of writers and directors, and he put, he put it all together, and look what happened. Something completely new, but now everyone, a lot of people love The Mandalorian. And it's no surprise that it already got renewed for a second season because, as you guys had said previously, the little twists here and there within the episodes, it all seemed in together and it made sense. And like Matt, like you said, why does he like this Yoda, you know, the baby Yoda? What's with this? He's killed things that are cute before probably. But like you said, it's because things have happened to him. So it keeps us on the edge. But also, too, it's the acting and the dialogue as well as the the story itself that really makes it all one big wonderful show to watch 
Yeah. For me, it has just the right amount of connectedness to the movies. Yeah. And that they definitely inform the world of the show. Like the show would not, like it couldn't happen as it does without the the plot of the movies having happened. Mm-hmm. But it's not, um, it's not too pervasive where it's like constant callbacks and, um, and like fan service stuff like some of the new, the new trilogy stuff has been, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, they're just like, yep, this exists in this world, but it's its own thing. Like we're confident enough in this that we don't have to have like Luke or whoever the other characters that are all still alive, like popping in and out and being like, hi, remember me? This is Star Wars, right? Yeah. They just let it be its own thing and let it be good. That's right. Yeah. And they're not the only like side series. I know even Star Wars, I think in the Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. Clone Wars animated series is, I think they've done it before, but it is really satisfying when you kind of give weight and context to the movies by stuff that happens in the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the TV show they were dealing with grand Moff Tarkin, but just one of these Moff guys is bad news enough. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. don't have to have, like, the big cheese all the time. He's, like, all the way up the totem pole. There are plenty of good stories to happen farther down the ladder, mm-hmm. you know? And that's like, yeah, I won't spoil it, what happens in Jedi Fallen Order, because I really want you to play it, but especially it happens at the end of Order 66. And you're used to, like, the named Jedi Mm -hmm. dying at the end of Order 66. But it was really interesting to see. It's like, yeah, there were plenty of Jedi who probably, like, totally got along with the Stormtroopers and stuff in Order 66. And then all of a sudden that switch flips, and now you have to deal with, like, Stormtroopers being terrified because they were your friends five minutes ago, and now they're bad. Um, So, like, that's not exactly the same as what's happening in The Mandalorian, but you see what I mean, where it's Mm -hmm. like they just give more context to the world by focusing on these little bubbles. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Very, absolutely. Any other uh, last th- any last thoughts on Mandalorian or recommendations? Um, no. I mean, I, if I, we've already spoiled the heck out of it. So the dark save was really cool. I think I sent Matt a snap that said, yeah. "This is something I definitely won't have to Google." I totally understand what it is right now. <laughs> like, I've <laughs> yeah. heard the name before, but I'm like, I don't really know what that is, but it looks awesome. Yeah, I saw it and I'm like, "This is cool." I have no idea what it means, but it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. So excited that it's there, and also I think it's just a good sign that they're digging deep into existing mythology. So it's like, yeah, they are paying respect to this. They're not just trying to come up with new stuff that might not work so well. Yeah, like like you said, they're not kind of they're not totally ignoring it, but they're going their own path with it, yeah. and that's what's making it really well. Or that's what's made it really well so far. Yeah, definitely agreed. So if you like Star Wars or if you like uh, space westerns or westerns in general, check out The Mandalorian. It's available on Disney Plus. And uh, eight episodes in season one. Season two will be coming later out later on this year, and we'll hopefully be there to talk about it. Signing out for the TV talkers this week, as it is, we are just out of time. It is Matt, Simon, and Tiago. See us next week, everybody. Have a good one.